0: So we're not going to go to the book of Acts this morning. We're going to take a detour for a couple of weeks. And here's part of the reason for the detour. As we've gone through the book of Acts, we repeatedly have heard about the Holy Spirit working. If you remember in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them as flames of fire. Almost every single chapter has been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit And we haven't really taken much time to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so I think it would be good for us to do kind of, again, a little survey or crash course on the Holy Spirit. Alan, will you turn this thing on? Thanks. And so I know right now there's no way in the world that I'm going to be able to answer every single question and make us all have a full, perfect, complete understanding of the Holy Spirit I'm still working on this myself, trying to understand uh, many things about Scripture, but I, but I have to say, understanding the Holy Spirit is something that uh, has been a, a long-time pursuit of mine, and the more I study, the more I try to understand, the more I realize I don't understand. But I do think there are some important things that we need to be able to grasp, and for the, so for the next couple of weeks... I want to just talk about a few of those things, and it will help us, I believe, as we go dive back into Acts, but also I hope that it will kind of spark something in your own personal relationship with God. And so I want to take some time to do that, and then one other reason I think it's really important is because there are a lot of confusing or misleading teachings about there or misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit, so I want to take some time to just kind of be able to talk through a few things, maybe even let you brew some questions up in your mind. You could email those to me, and maybe we'll attack those on a Wednesday or uh, possibly next Sunday. So with that, I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into this. And uh, if you usually get distracted during prayer time, dive in and pray right now, because we want this to make lots of sense, and we, we want God's help as we go through these scriptures. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your son, the sacrifice that he made so that we could be free and we could be made alive and that we could all be headed to heaven for simply putting our faith and trust in your son and his work. God's such an incredible, amazing gift of grace. Thank you for that. Help us to embrace that deeply. And Father, today as we talk about the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give wisdom, insight, open up understanding. But also, Father, I pray that it would do more than just affect our head uh, or be a refresher course or new information, but that it would add a new dimension or a deeper element to our walk with you, God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So, like I said, if you have questions, thoughts, comments, we can talk about that after. By all means, feel free to to throw those my way. So the first, the questions that we're going to try to cover today are these three questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? What is the difference between indwelled by the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit? So the first question, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. If you don't have notes, uh, the little note packet I would encourage you, To use those this Sunday, it might be uh, extra helpful. You can raise your hand if you didn't get one and you want one. We'll make sure someone grabs them for you. The Holy Spirit is God, the third person slash being of the Trinity. Now that right there is going to take some explaining, wouldn't you agree? That's going to take a little bit of explaining, and I don't know. So first, let me start by saying this: the word Trinity is not in. Scripture. You're not gonna find it. Like what verse do I look up to, to read about the Trinity? It's a word that we use to say triune, three and one, God, that we believe Scripture repeatedly points to. And we'll go through some scriptures here in a minute. But uh, and I've showed some of you this picture before, and I want to just say I do not completely understand the Trinity. If anyone tells you they've fully got a grasp on the Trinity then they're they're making up stories. No one fully can grasp the Trinity. It would be like grasping eternity. None of us can really grasp those things, even though they're reality. And so the idea of the Trinity, a helpful way to to think about it would be three in one. And so here we would we have very often, we'll say God, and I know that's small for you in back, but I want to leave myself plenty of room. Very often we use the term God in kind of a generic or general sense. We'll say God. In Scripture, sometimes you'll see it as Yahweh. Some Scriptures would say Jehovah. If you look at, sometimes you read in your Bible, and you see the word Lord, Lord, And every single letter is capitalized, if you ever notice that. Like, why is it all caps on this one, but this one is just a capital L? It's because they're translating it, Lord, and it was one of these ideas is what they're translating. So all through scripture, we read about God, Yahweh, the great I Am. And, and none of us, uh, you know. And then even on on Jehovah, there are different names they would tack onto Jehovah. I just wrote a couple down. Jehovah Rapha means the Lord who heals. Jehovah jo- Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. So it's kind of a, a descriptor of who the Lord is. And so, you with me so far? God. Also through Scripture. We see the Father, we see the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit. Spirit, okay. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you say, so which one is God? Almost hands down, no one would argue that the Father is God the board, most people have no problem whatsoever saying the Father is God. Some do have a little bit of a problem saying the Son is God. Very often we don't really think of, and the Holy Spirit's one of the last that we think about, but the Holy Spirit is also God we'll, we'll look at some scriptures in a minute what we don't believe so if you go like this the father is not the son and the son is not the son the father is not the son the son is not the father make sense the son is not the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not the son And you guess what's coming? Is not. The Father and the Holy Spirit are not the same. This may help a little bit, but we also have to remember that this idea of the Trinity is something that's beyond our way of thinking. This is really helpful to me. Because I'm beginning to understand that God is three in one. And different persons, and that's why I put person slash being up there in our definition, because when I hear uh, the Son is the second person of the Trinity, or the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, a lot of times when I hear person, I think human, people, and that's not necessarily, or the Father is the first person of the Trinity. They're not people like we're people. We're talking about person as far as personality, personhood, beingness, that being. Make sense? I want to be careful. I don't want to be teaching anything that's that's wrong here. So if I, I miss say something, let me know. But the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. But the Son and the Father are not the same. The Father and the Holy Spirit are not the same. The Son and the Holy Spirit are not the same. And if you think about this, in maybe terms there are all kind of different analogies and every single one of them falls short. Sometimes people will say, it, it's like a man who is a father and a son and a husband. And that's, there's something helpful about that. It talks about the different roles maybe that that one person plays, but that's not three dif- different distinct people, so that falls short. Some people would say, it's like, a, it's like water, It's gas form, liquid form, and solid form of ice. Well, that kind of just talks about different modes, and that, that would be called like a modalism, and it's not really the idea of the Trinity. So another one that falls short, but I think it's maybe a little bit helpful to see, would be the example of the persons or beings of the Trinity as... Again, this falls terribly, terribly, terribly short. But as maybe uh, the different divisions in a business. So you have your sales division, let's say. You have your HR division. And you have your billing division. We can all grab a hold of that, right? Now, they all have different roles, different functions. Someone wants to take care of something in billing, they go to billing. They don't go to... HR with their billing questions. Or if it's a shipping division, a shipping and receiving division, you're not going to go to them for HR questions. If you're being harassed by someone, you're not going to run down to the shipping and receiving department and talk to the head of the shipping and receiving department. All of those departments are working together under one unit, one unified company, but they all have distinct roles. And are different from one another, although they are all one. Does that help at all? Kind of, not really. Okay. And so, just let me give you the example of prayer. And, and Lord, please help this. I, I just want to pray. Please help this stuff to sink into our heads because it's beyond me to even explain it. So, just in the example of prayer... When we go to the Father in prayer, and all through Scripture, we are told to pray. And the examples we're given are Paul, I bow my knees before the Father. He never says, I bow my knees before the Son. I bow my knees before the Holy Spirit. He says, I bow my knees to the Father. And so we are, for an example, we are to go to the Father, and I've thought about it like this. Let's say this is our uh, destination over here. And this is our road. This is how I think of prayer. So we are to go where we want to end up is at the Father, right? So this is just an example of prayer. If I want to get to the Father through prayer and pray to the Father, I have to go. My only access to the Father is through the Son. And my access is given through Jesus Christ. I can't get to the Father on my own if Jesus Christ isn't there. But then you say, so where is the Holy Spirit coming in prayer? And we are to be praying, and we are to pray in the Spirit. And to me, a, a good picture of that it would be the efficiency with which we are praying, the correctness with which we, we are praying, the truth aligned up with truth, and the Spirit and truth are right here all through Scripture. Called, In fact, the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired Scripture. So Holy Spirit and Scripture. And so if you kind of pictured this as your vehicle and the Holy Spirit, the efficiency with which you're going to be able to get through the Son to the Father would be kind of like, how's the engine running? How tuned into the Spirit am I? So I could get, have access, and I might be praying, oh, God, please, uh, you know, send down bullets of uh, heat and ash on that family for the way that they treated me. Now, is that praying according to the Spirit? It's not according to the way of Scripture. So I'm trying to access the Father. Will the Father hear that prayer? He hears it. (laughs) I mean, he hears everything. But the efficiency through which... So you can see here kind of a picture of our walk with God, with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, just in prayer. Make sense? A little bit? Kind of not really? All right. So, again, the thing that uh, I wanted to kind of just help us see, and we'll read a few verses here together, would just be the unity and yet the distinctness of each person in the Godhead or in the Trinity. Ned, I'm going to put you to work while I do this. Go ahead and read that verse for me real loud. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God he created All right, thank you. So, can you see in this passage right here off the bat, before the world was created, you have a plural. God said, let us make human beings in our image, that our should be capitalized, to be like us. See that plurality there? And then, towards the end of the verse, he says, so God created human beings in his own image, the image of god he created them made them female and uh, male and female he created them and so you see this plurality and yet a singularness if that's a word and again i want to just this is not just theological mumbo jumbo as i gave an example in the prayer it's important for us to begin to understand a little bit about the work of the spirit and you will see here even more because it's vital to our walk with god and a lot of times it gets so confusing, and we just want to brush it off. And, and I personally believe that we are sanctified, our sanctification. The Spirit is playing a major role in the sanctification. A lot of times, we'll get to this later too, we're trying to figure it out and do it. And so understanding these things, it's not just a bunch of theological stuff like, let's try and explain you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin just for the fun of it. None of those kind of things. This is something that impacts our day-to-day walk with God. And so it's important for us to take some time. Another verse, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, which he was given that authority by who? The Father, God. He is God, but the Father, God. And then it talks about in 1 Corinthians 15 where he actually ends up handing authority back. To the Father, if you want to read the other side of that, after we believe the millennium. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, let me just kind of say a couple things here. In the name of the Father. He doesn't say in the names of, but in the name, singular name, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he says this. I have given you, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But in Acts, we know we saw him go up into the heavens. So how is he with them till the end of the age? Through the Spirit of God. Acts 5, 3 and 4. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You have lied to the Holy Spirit. We just read this not too long. Well, it's getting longer and longer. Ago. We're taking a while going through Acts. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And kept some of the money for yourself. Is the Holy Spirit talking to anybody about that right now? About leaving, keeping the extra money? Do we need to get the offering played out? No, just, just kidding. That was a joke. 100% joke. Uh, you lied to the Holy Spirit and kept some of the... Those of you that know me, know that's absolutely 100% joke. Kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. After selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do such a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Now, who was he talking to in the front? He said, on the top of the verse, he says, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Remember our picture here? Holy Spirit, God. That kind of helps begin to explain some of those things. So, we're touching the tip of the iceberg, but we believe here that the Holy Spirit is God, the third person or being of the Trinity. Second question, or question, well, whatever you would call this, uh, there's a name for it in geometry, but it's the next thing down. Who is the Holy Spirit? Second part or way to answer this is the Holy Spirit is not a force or a power. The Holy Spirit is a divine person or being who possesses a mind, will, and emotions. Some people will believe that the Holy Spirit is just this impersonal force or energy. Uh, and, and Scripture points to something different. In fact, to points to the fact that the Spirit has a mind, has will, has emotions, a being, a person, or person, personality. And so the Holy Spirit thinks and knows. 1 Corinthians 2.10, but it was to us that God revealed these things by the Spirit, for His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secret. Some, I think, says teaches God's deep secret. So you can see here there is a a cognitive uh, action going on here. There is a thought process going on. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. This would show emotion, Right? Do not bring to sorrow, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So we can grieve or sadden or bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. We'll probably talk more about that next week. But if he was just a force or an energy, you don't grieve in energy, right? He makes decisions according to his will. This passage, I'm not going to read all the details of it, but it is talking about the believers and receiving spiritual gifts. And so just that underlying part uh, here in 1 Corinthians says, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to, and so saying that the Spirit is the one who hands out these gifts. And then you go down to the end of that passage, and it says he, talking about the Holy Spirit, alone decides which gift each person should have the Holy Spirit as a person and one of the things I think that we make this difficult is we say it and i probably have said it maybe even since we've been talking about the Holy Spirit here and so that kind of confuses us because we don't call any other person or being an it and the other I think is because we have that little correct me grammar geeks if I'm wrong article the before Holy Spirit And so we have the Holy Spirit, sometimes, and someone much more spiritual than me may be able to tell me that this is wrong, but a lot of times when in prayer, I will refer to the Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit, is like, that's his name, Holy Spirit, Father, please help Holy Spirit, or Father, please allow Holy Spirit to give me insight. Just it's personal for me. It kind of helps de-materialize or whatever you would say the the Holy Spirit. By That's his name, Holy Spirit. I don't have any other name for him. The Son, I can call Jesus. I can call the Son. The Father, I can call Father. I can call God more easily. But Holy Spirit, uh, that's, I think, some of the reason why we don't think of him as a person or a being. Again, not a human person, but as a being is because of some of the way that we talk. So, Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity or a being of the Trinity, not just a force or an energy out there. Our next question is, what does the Holy Spirit do? All kinds of things. But we're going to talk about just a couple of them here uh, today. Generally speaking, the Holy Spirit makes Christ known primarily through the life of believers. That's his work right now is to make Christ known. We'll talk about some details even uh, if you're looking in your bulletin, you can see a bunch of other things which isn't even an exhaustive list of things that the Holy Spirit does specifically. But generally speaking, the work of the Holy Spirit now is to make Jesus Christ known. Let's look at a few verses and then I'll talk a little bit more about this. But I will send you the advocate or helper or comforter, The spirit of truth, again, see the connection to spirit and truth. Just a hint, if you want to know how to walk in the spirit, walk according to the truth of scripture. Um, He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. He's going to be telling people about Jesus Christ. That's his role. In Luke, it says, he said, yes, it was written long ago that Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written in this that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name, that should be a capital H, to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. So he's saying, I'm going away. You guys are my witnesses. And then he says, now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city till the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from above. He doesn't even want the apostles to go out and start witnessing, to go out and start telling people until they've received the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so for us, and I believe this is one of the things God has for us in the next phase of our church, is that we would be a church that would be going out and sharing Christ primarily by sharing God's love to others but that needs to be a work of a Holy Spirit in us because He is the one who will testify of Christ. He is the one who will make Christ known through us. We don't want to be one of those annoying Christians that are badgering people in our own power, in our own knowledge, with a bunch of our own information. We want to be people that are filled, as we'll talk about a little bit later, with the Holy Spirit that love powerfully because God is loving through us and the Holy Spirit is working in us. And so... So he testifies, the Spirit, he, he the Spirit, testifies of he, the, the Son, Jesus Christ. We can see that over and over in Scripture. Even in Acts 1, as we've been talking, right off the bat, if you look down, there's kind of our theme verse, you'll be my witnesses, telling pe- people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, right? But before that, what does he say? He says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So again, This is the idea of what happened at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes, and then they go out and spread the news to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. This is not those guys just manning up and bucking up and studying up and gearing up and getting missions-minded. It was the Holy Spirit working through them and in them. And that's what we want to be, church. And I feel like it's important for us, I believe, not just I feel like, who cares what I feel like, I believe it's important for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is and how to respond to him if we are going to be a church that's going to be shining the light of Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit testifies, proclaims Jesus Christ, and he wants to do that through believers. Acts 2, I'll just read the highlighted. He had promised... Gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see in here today. Remember that in Acts 2? Hey, Christ was promising it. And so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. So we see those two things synced up, the witness and the movement of the Holy Spirit. All right? So am I doing this to try and just get you guys amped about going out and witnessing in the Spirit? No, not really. But yeah, kind of. What I want us to understand and for myself also is that the Holy Spirit has a role, and Christ is made known through the Spirit. We don't want to go try and do that on our own effort and energy. That is the job, the role of the Holy Spirit. And so if you look at a timeline of history, and you kind of look how God has worked through the ages, and so here we would say, oh, let's just say this is creation or You know, time, I believe that there is a whole, I don't think God works on time the way we work on time, but the creation of the world, typically what you see back was the father working, right? And then you see this period of time when this, that's a baby in a manger. Then you see Christ born, so, God the Father, right, primarily working. He's working through all of it, but he's like the primary worker. And then you have the life and the, the death of Christ. This is a tomb. And so you see God the Son working. But then you see that Christ goes and he's seated At the right hand of the Father, right? That's a throne. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And so here you see God the Son working. Here you see God the Father working. But what does He do after that? In Acts 2, we see that He sends the Holy Spirit. And even Christ said, and I don't know if we'll get to it today, but even Christ said, Hey, it's to your guys' advantage that I'm going away. Now, imagine you're hanging out with Jesus Christ. He said, hey, I'm getting ready to die. Don't be sad. It's to your advantage. You'd be thinking, like, how does that work? He said, because I'm going to send you the helper, the comforter, I'm going to send the advocate in different versions, you would read it different ways, who will be with you. And so the Holy Spirit, when he sends the Holy Spirit From here, I believe, until Christ returns again, the Holy Spirit is the primary primary acting agent in the church and in the world. We have not had Jesus Christ come and preach in our church. We have not had him physically here. We have not had the Father appear in some physical manifestation or a burning bush or anything like that. We do have some howling going on back there that's a little little bizarre, but that has nothing to do with anything God's doing, I don't think. Let's hope. Um, But we each have been given the Holy Spirit. So we walk in here every day or every week, and we are carrying with us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit enters this room. The Holy Spirit resides in us as believers. Make sense? And so sometimes we can get hung up on, on some of these things, but we can just begin to see God is primarily working. So does it mean that nothing's going on with the Son and the Father? Right? No, No, not at all. Not at all. They're all always active, but right now... The primary work is through the Holy Spirit. All right, let me go just another couple items. I have a whole lot more I want to get to, and I can tell right now I'm not going to get to it. So I'm trying to take a deep breath and refocus here. Who God is or who the Holy Spirit is, God, third person of the Trinity, personality. What does the Holy Spirit do? Makes Christ known, primarily through believers, right? We see that in Acts. We see it all over. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Some of the ways he makes Christ known and some of the other works, this is not exhaustive. You could probably double this list. Some of the things the Holy Spirit does is inspired Scripture, convicts the world of sin, indwells and seals believers. So that means that he lives in us and seals us. And if you think about a seal, it's like an official seal. You can think of it in two ways. An official seal on something is kind of the stamp of approval. And so as God looks at us, he sees the seal of the Holy Spirit on us. You could even think of it in terms of sealing something up and keeping it inside of something else and that we are kept inside God by the Holy Spirit. Sanctifies, gives victory over sin. A lot of times we think that it's up to us to figure this out. Fills and controls believers, which is different than just living in or or indwelling a believer. That's what we were going to talk about a bunch today, we're not going to, mm-hmm. teaches the believer, comforts and guides believers, and that is one of his titles, isn't it, the comforter, the helper, helps in prayer, or, or uh, praise even, as Penny talked about a few weeks ago, praise for us, on behalf of us, those things that we can't even seem to really articulate or find the words for. The Holy Spirit is able to do that. It says that he knows the thoughts and intentions. Um, gives, spiritual gifts, we read about that. And produces fruit in the life of the believers. Now, we, uh, we produce fruit as we abide in Christ, but they are the fruit of the, the, fruit of the Spirit, right? They're not the fruit of Rapha, Even if Rafa's working real hard and doing everything he should, it's not his fruit. It's the fruit of God through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is one who produces those fruits and it's as we're abiding. Can you see how it's important for us to see how all these pieces kind of fit together because the Godhead is important to our walk with God. Every person in the Godhead is important in our walk with God. Now, I really wanted to talk about being indwelt and uh, filled. So I'm just going to let you fill in your notes. And you probably see the little gingerbread man there. We're not going to get to the gingerbread man this week. We'll get to that next week. But I'll let you fill in these blanks here. What is the difference between being indwelt by the Holy Spirit and filled? Simple answer is, Being indwelled means the Spirit of God lives in you. And you can see scriptures uh, all over. I think 1 Corinthians 6 talks about that. We are the temple of God. But being filled by the Holy Spirit means you are operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And if, you know, you've read it says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be under the influence of wine or other drinks, and so the idea would be that you'd be under the influence of the Spirit. And just think about this for a second. Sumner Wemp, this old guy that uh, discipled me for a while, he wrote this little book. In fact, we have some free ones back there if you want them. But he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says, it's, there's at Pentecost, remember how the men were accused of being drunk? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says there are a lot of parallels often for people that are drunk, and in the Holy Spirit, and bear with me on this a little bit. One is they seem to be loving towards everybody, right? Bro, I just want to call you up and tell you how much I miss you, right? They seem to get all lovey, yeah? They talk a lot more and a lot more freely. Maybe not as clearly, but a lot more freely. Uh, I imagine you guys are laughing because you saw it on a movie once, how these people act, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Some of you guys have hung out with Amory on the weekend. I'm just kidding. Ned was pointing at you. It's, it's medicine. her medicine. Uh, if you see, and uh, I knew a guy once. There was a smaller guy, and every time he would drink too much, I mean, he turned into this guy that wanted to fight everybody. Guys 10 times the size. Don't know what happened to that guy. Uh, Filled with, <laughs> filled with this liquid courage or boldness, right? Um, the, the idea of being less inhibited, you know, the person who all of a sudden they're out there, they're, they're usually the wallflower, but then they're out there dancing in the middle of, of the thing. They got the lampshade on the head, you know, kind of the stereotypical idea. The idea, well, there are some parallels to being influenced or filled by the Holy Spirit, and I don't mean to make light of that because by no means would the Holy Spirit have us acting foolishly. But when the Holy Spirit, when we are being filled with the Holy Spirit, the love of God is going to be being poured out through us. We are going to be being filled with boldness. We are going to be able to talk freely about the things of of God. We are not going to be so inhibited and so thinking about ourselves so much we are going to be making Christ known as we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as we talk about the Holy Spirit, just a couple other quick thoughts is sometimes it can become, and even for myself, I, I uh, feel like I get a more opportunity to study this and look at these things and consider this, and it can become more and more confusing and a little bit of discouraging going, how am I ever going to wrap my head around it, any of this? And I'll say that the Holy Spirit is the comforter the helper. And so if you're walking out of here confused, frustrated, that's not the Holy Spirit. So we should take comfort in the fact that we are walking out of here. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are walking out of here with the presence and the power of God in you. You are walking out of here as a sealed one. You are walking out of here with the helper, the comforter, the advocate. Many of us, and I'll close with this, many of us look at life, and so I want to, just as you go through your week, we, we look at our life or our walk in three different ways, and I'll compare them to some watercraft, if you will. I've shared this with some of you before. This here is a raft. Not a great raft, but it's a raft. Some of us, our walk, our spiritual life, we're trying to get by on a raft. We just want to coast, man, and wherever the wind takes us. That's where we want to go. Whatever the stream of today or tomorrow or my feelings or my circumstances, I'm just rolling with things, man. And and then there are others here that, that's a rowboat, are sitting there and man, we're like, we're we're looking at our walk like a rowboat. Like, you got to work harder. You got to memorize more. You got to get up earlier. You got to sacrifice this. You got to give that. And we're like, what, doing these things. So you got kind of got the like, I call it shaggy mentality. You know, if you're like, uh, if you remember Scooby-Doo, it's kind of like shaggy was just all kickback. Just kind of like, just I'm cruising with things, man. Uh, and then you got the... Pull yourself up by the bootstrap mentality of your walk with God. Like, I got to figure it out. I got to work harder. I got to do more. And I believe our walk with God and a walk with God in the Holy Spirit is more like a sailboat. And the reality is there are things we need to do. We need to prepare. And we need to get the sails up. We need to get them adjusted to do those things to receive the work and allow the work of the Holy Spirit To move through us, to move in us, and to have this work, but it's not going to require tons of just misery and hard effort. It's going to require some preparation, some thinking. And the way practically that that looks would be time to get in God's Word. Spend time thanking God for the things that He's doing in your life, spend some time praying. Spend some time, if there are one or two things in in God's Word that you're being convicted of, obey Him, because the Spirit, you know how He speaks loudest? Through this Word right here. That's how He speaks loudest. It isn't always through this still small voice that He's going to speak to you. Mostly, He's going to be speaking to you through His Word, Spirit of Truth. And so we adjust our life, we adjust the sails, and we are able to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us more and more as we adjust to him and we prepare ourselves and we cultivate a walk with him when we abide in jesus christ and we reflect on the truth and we live in the truth and we enjoy the truth of what god's done for us how easy is it going to be for you to walk in the spirit if you're all day long going i don't know if christ really died for me or i don't really know if christ's sacrifice covered my sins and you're doubting that truth that's that one simple truth are you going to walk in the spirit You're going to be so wrapped up in yourself and guilt and shame and remorse and regret, and you won't. But if you would take hold of that truth, I'm free, free, forever I'm free, and you walk in that truth, is the Holy Spirit, is that putting the sails up? That's going to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. We can't control the Spirit, but we can make ourselves ready for Him to work in us. And so I would just say that as we go out this week, Prepare yourself daily. Make yourself ready for the Holy Spirit to work. You're not going to control the Spirit. You're not going to tell the Holy Spirit what to do. You're not going to be able to digit in the right code to make the Holy Spirit work the way you want to work in you. But the Holy Spirit will work. Prepare yourself. Make yourself ready. Listen. Obey. Read. Spend time in the Word. And then the other thing I would say is just try to listen. (laughs) Through this week, ask yourself, is the Holy Spirit working on me? Or is the Holy Spirit working through me? The Holy Spirit will work on you by giving you conviction or truth that you need to embrace or instructions or guidance. And the Holy Spirit working through you may be you bringing life into your job place by simply having a good attitude or loving your neighbor that's kind of annoying. And that's the Holy Spirit working through you. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. And uh, we're going to close in a song. These guys will come up here in just a minute. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the life that we have because of him. A lot of these things are beyond me, beyond my understanding. But I know they're true. And I know they are good for us, Father. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for us being sealed. And that you would be willing to live and reside in us. And that you would do work on our behalf, Father. I feel like we should be the ones constantly working for you, but that you would be willing through your Holy Spirit to do work on our behalf. Thank you so much. And we thank you for your son and the fact that we can have a relationship with you because of him. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.